hydrating, I. What if I am? What of it? <laughs> oh, it's good. Tasty East Berlin tap water. <laughs> it's the finest. It's vintage. <laughs> Welcome back to Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Hydrated, actually. <laughs> really good. Well rested. I'm not hydrated. I'm not well rested. Tell you what's weird. My alarm went off this morning and you know when you're like so deeply asleep that your alarm goes off and you're like, that's far from the first ring. That has been going off for like a few days. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It was like, it was like that. I was, I woke up and I was in, um, and it's, maybe it's a good thing. I hadn't slept that heavily in a long, long time. I'm not sure why that is, but I think it's a good thing. Oh, man. Yeah, wide awake, ready to go at it. <laughs> Do you know what it is today? The first day of the rest of your life? I don't know. Our 100th episode today. Someone, was it Jess? Soccer Sebastian sent us Stadio Centenario, yeah. which is like <laughs> such a cool name. Jess Malone. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Wow. 100 episodes of Stadio. It's... Obviously not our hundredth on the ringer. I think it's episode thirty-five or thirty-six since we've been on the ringer already. Stadio Centenario. That is incredible. How have we lasted a hundred episodes? Amazing. How I, I don't know. The amount of hours we have wasted chatting to each other about Rolex and number eights. Yeah, but still here, still standing. Both got hoodies on for the occasion. We have both got hoodies on for the occasion. A rare show of solidarity. Cordial. Anyway. 100 episodes, so allow us to go a little bit. Sentimental? Yeah. Yeah. We want to say thanks to everyone who's listened over the last 100 episodes, who's got in touch, who's sent questions, who's, I don't know, recommended it to friends or unsubscribed because we talk about women's football. Yeah. yeah. Like that guy who tweeted us just saying, not for me, dog. <laughs> and he got no reply whatsoever. <laughs> I was just like, I looked at it and I thought, just going to let that one just uh, float into the ether. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, we always get a little bit sentimental about stuff like this anyway, but last year or so has been a little bit wild. I mean, just in life in general, but yeah, the last thing the world needed was another football podcast. And for some reason, we inflicted it upon them. We inflicted uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> so we obviously decided to do one, but we really appreciate everyone who is into the stuff we do. I don't really know what else to say about it really, apart from, I don't know. Let's hope we last another 100 episodes. All right, admin then. Admin. Don't forget, if you want to buy our theme music, it's for sale and we're donating all the money. You go to stadio.bandcamp.com. It's a minimum of three euros, but you can pay what you like. Um, the information about the organisations we're donating to is on there. I had a piece go up on The Ringer this week with an unbelievable headline. I'd love to find out who wrote the headline because it was... Did they come for Very you? Very strong. Did they come no, for you? No, it was amazing. Dare to Dream Dortmund, it was called. That's yeah, a great, great piece. Thanks, man. About, yeah, hopefully that young group sticking together. You've got a piece going up next week. That's right. I think that's, oh yeah, Stadio Outros. We playlist everything that we play out on, on a playlist on Spotify. For those who don't know, just search Stadio Outros on Spotify. And I think that's it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I suppose it's probably just a reminder to hydrate. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> I thought you were taking your time today. <laughs> <laughs> Straight in there. Hydration waits for no man. Exactly, it waits for no man. No, exactly, no creature. <laughs> see, see your land. We'll let Musa hydrate and then we'll get into some transfer mailbag stuff. We will indeed. Break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man. So the transfer window is... Geschlossen. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Oh, even better. Even better. Wow. That's perfect, German. And it's back open in a couple of months. So less than two months it's open again. Before we get into the questions about the transfer deadline, who for you was the most interesting signing on transfer deadline day? On the day itself, and sorry, because I know this is not an Arsenal podcast, I still think it was Thomas Partey. Mm. Because I want to see what Arteta does with his skill set, which I think has been underused. This is a guy, Thomas Partey, who used to play as a 10 and a winger before ending up as a defensive midfield pivot. And I wonder if Arteta has looked at the guy and been, ah, what can you unleash? Because they didn't get Hassan Awa from Lyon, which is a great shame. And he was really good against Ukraine, actually. Top of a diamond for France against Ukraine. He looked really good. But I think Partey could galvanise Arsenal in a really interesting fashion. So he intrigues me the most. He's not my favourite signing of the whole transfer window. My favourite signing is <laughs> Ross Barkley to Aston Villa for so many oh, yeah, reasons. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, but the most intriguing for me is Partey. I would agree, actually. It seemed to be the most high-profile signing of transfer deadline day. A position that Arsenal very much needed, but also I don't think there are many players out there like Thomas Partey, actually. No. Obviously, he gets kind of widely known as like being this defensive midfielder, but he's not. You know, he can be. Yeah. He's got so much more to his game than that. I think that just calling him a defensive midfielder doesn't give him enough credit, really. I think that what Arsenal 
really need at the moment is, I think I've said it before, that they've got a few midfielders who kind of do a lot of similar things and they're all kind of all right. Mm. And I think that Partey basically gives them a, it raises the base level for them to build a midfield around. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wasn't surprised that they didn't get our, I think that will be someone that they earmark for next year. But it's really hard to get everything you need in one window, I think. It really is. You've got to keep adding pieces, especially when the pieces you're going for are so coveted. Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing about Thomas Partey is that I think he's just going to really click straight yeah. away. I think his skill set really suits the Premier League. What I really love about Partey is, is his ability to sense when the right moment is to nip in. You know how some defensive midfielders, their highlight reels are just them sliding in all the time. But he yeah. has this really nice sense of timing where he may wait, he'll take a step back, he'll stop, and then he'll push, push, push someone. Yeah. Either nip the ball off them, shepherd out of play, slide in with an interception. But his, the, the speed at which he generates a trans, well, kickstarts a transition basically from winning the ball back to driving forward. His forward passing ability and his technical ability in terms of driving forward is something that Arsenal will really need because it's something that Danny Ceballos can do. But I don't think that anyone can do it to the level that Thomas Partey can. And I'm just really, really excited to see him in an, in an Arsenal midfield because I'm, I just think he's someone who... I mean, I'm really surprised that no one else went for him. His second leg performance against Liverpool at Anfield blew me away. Unbelievable. It blew me away. That was him and Joao Felix were on a different level that evening in different, very different tactical briefs. But Partey, I think, even above Joao Felix that evening was astonishing because it was, he was pretty much, I mean, that pivot was basically all that was standing between Atleti and Annihilation. And there's almost no other, in fact, I would put, there's no other team in Europe at that point that could have withstood that barrage. He was no. unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm really hyped about it. And also the a really interesting thing about it was that it, apparently the money was just fronted by the Cronkies. They just basically provided the funds to pay for the signing, which raises a really interesting thing for me though and, and a bit of a, I don't want to go too negative on episode 100 and we're talking about transfers, which are really fun, but mm. we had a few questions about the situation at Arsenal. Mm. Um. I cannot pronounce this Twitter name. S-F-N-S-Y-O-I. Oh, that's difficult. Okay, well, at least yeah. he spelled it. At least he spelled it. <laughs> they said, do Arsenal just share too much information? Pay cuts, org chart changes, redundancies, scouting network firings, Edu and Vinay interviews, and now Gunnosaurus. Is this level of sharing what other clubs do? There was another thing someone said from Chris Shoup Worrell. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on the Gunnosaurus saga and specifically Ozil acting as a bailout fund. To me, it says so much about the neoliberal culture of football that you two have previously talked about. I think this is a weird one because obviously the Thomas Partey signing comes in with the backdrop of Arsenal making redundancies and then the Gunnosaurus yeah, being yeah. made redundant after 27 years. So Mesut posted that tweet that's, you know, he's offering to reimburse Arsenal with the full salary as long as he will be an Arsenal player. There's a couple of things here. The first thing is, do Arsenal share too much? Well, look, Arsenal's a club under so much scrutiny that things will leak. So mm. sometimes when a club makes an announcement, it's better that you make an official announcement. No, it will leak at some point anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah, than like, so Arsenal do not have the luxury of keeping that many secrets because there are so many Arsenal fans in and around the media. There are so many Arsenal people. There are people that like work at Arsenal who leave jobs at Arsenal who then start talking about Arsenal, like in the commercial department, for example. I, I remember yeah. like a few years ago, one year that Arsenal had a really bad transfer summer 
and someone that was working there as an executive left, not at a high level, and then came out and started telling friends of friends. So like someone in the office I was working with was like, oh yeah, we just had like Arsenal's transfer business. And I was like, yeah, you see that stuff just gets out. And of course I didn't tweet it, but you hear about it. The gun I saw this thing, someone asked, was it a beautiful move or a PR ploy? And I'm like, well, bit of column A, bit of column B, because if we're being really honest, if we're just stepping back from it, you're making a large amount of money. Nothing to stop you privately contacting whoever and going, is so-and-so taken care of, is Jerry taken care of? You could handle it that way. Like it could be done that way. Um, and so I think it is both. I think it is a, a generous move. And I think it is also, you know, strong public relations. And we know that Ozil's good at public relations because he uses his Twitter account to pretty impressive effect, it has to be said. Um, yeah, he's really stepped it up since the World Cup. Huh? Yeah, so, so I think the, fact, the very fact we know about it, yeah, it makes us regard him favourably. But also, this is the thing, Ozil took a lot of heat, and I don't blame him for saying this publicly, because Ozil took a lot of heat for not taking a pay cut, because he wasn't sure about, like, what, what is this for? How is it going to work? Like, a, a lot of the fire was turned on Ozil for not taking a pay cut. And actually, he uh, tend to be proved to be right, I think. Yeah, I think he was right. So I just think I wouldn't begrudge him some good publicity and visibility on this. And here's the irony, of course, of Thomas Partey being signed. Thomas Partey is the player who will best enable Ozil's talents in Arsenal's system. He's the most likely. It, would, it wouldn't, you know, it still might not work, but Thomas Partey's defensive strengths would allow someone like an Ozil to flourish in a diamond. By the time you listen to this, you might already know that Meza Ozil is set to be cut from Arsenal's Europa League squad and more likely Arsenal's Premier League squad as well, or both. It's extraordinary, yeah. What has happened there, Ryan? To swerve off from the Arsenal stuff now, maybe we can talk about that another time because yeah. we'll get more info about it. I read Amy Lawrence's piece on The Athletic about this morning. and What has happened there? Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on to some questions. Okay, so this is actually probably my favourite signing. Mm, it pushes Barkley for it, but from Jonathan Vering, how do you guys feel about Mario Goetze to PSV? I personally hope he just gets to play again and enjoy it. I love this signing. I adore it. Do you know what I love about it most? Ruud van Nistelrooy coaches, I think, the under-19s, right? Eindhoven is a nice town to go and just, like, do your thing. Like, mm. and... Those two will be catch up in the canteen and Goetze will be like wandering around the training ground and like young players will be looking up at him in awe. He's a hero to them. They grew up watching him be a hero and it's going to be really good for them to see him around. But I think it'll be even better for him to see how that generation will look up at him and be like, they won't see him as, oh, you're this guy that like was a free agent at 28 and you had these injuries. And they won't see that. They'll just see like a hero. And I think it's really important for him to go and revitalize in a place like that. I'm super excited about it. And I think that it's like, it's a really ambitious signing. So it's a great, what's the word? Um, it's a great signal to other, other clubs in the Eredivisie, but also to like other young players going, oh, if they can capture something like that. I'll go and have a go. He's still a really good player, Gertzer. I'm really excited to see how that works out because I think he's got a lot to offer still. And I think he'll have a lot to offer in the area division. I think it's a really good league for him to play in. I would have loved to have seen him go to Spain, actually. Part of me that was kind of like, mm, could he go to Sevilla? Yeah. Someone like that, you know, or Betis. 
I'd love it. I actually love to see him at Betis. That would have been really fun. But we always want everyone to go to Betis. If we had our way, then everyone, yeah, basically <laughs> Betis would have a squad of nine thousand, and no one else would have like any other players. <laughs> Plus, but Betis, no, they're, 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 Betis are just fine for brilliant midfielders attacking. True, midfielders. very true. But yeah, Thanks no, Mario Goetze to PSV. I love that signing. Oh. I really, really love that signing. Actually, in terms of we were talking about who one of your favourite transfers before about the Ross Barkley to Villa. I actually think Villa in the Premier League bar Chelsea. I think Chelsea in terms of if you look at the talent they actually bought, I think Chelsea had the best transfer window yes. overall. Yes. They would have been out of sight if they'd bought maybe another defender. Yeah, I agree. Or a different defender actually, as much as I like Thiago Silva. But in terms of the actual talent they brought in and keeping hold of players like Hudson Doy who didn't go to Bayern. Mm. You can't really argue with Chelsea's transfer window. And the thing that I really love about transfer windows like theirs is that you have a really successful transfer window and not once does your name ever get mentioned on deadline day. That is the most Chelsea thing ever though. They never, they are actually talking like things leaking. They don't leak. They don't leak. They're really interesting. They're actually the closest to, I would say, and this is, I credit to Granovskaya, who's just an exec, who's an outstanding exec at Chelsea. They conduct their business like, like investment managers. They can, they, they buy, you know what it is? They buy players like they're making investments in the stock market. It's probably the same process. Like you don't know. And I'd be interested to see what um, Granovskaya's background is. Um, whether she worked long in financial services because it just feels like the same approach, which is why the Ed Woodward thing is strange at United because he's a guy that works in financial services and you would have thought the discretion was like the absolute watchword. No emails. It's like, you want to offer someone? You come and meet us on this private jet that's in a hangar at this airport. Yeah. Five minutes to make your offer. I bet no it's, it's all intermediaries as well. I bet yeah, it's no all phones. intermediaries. No phones, yeah. Which I love. I'd love, I'd, that's, that, that to me, if I was a football exec and someone wanted to make an offer for a player, like for example, if I, would do, if I was Dortmund, right? Right. If I was, if basically if I took over from Vatska at Dortmund, I think I would really lean into, have you seen Ozark? No. Right. So there's like this kind of like gangster guy in, in Ozark who has the, conducts his meeting very much like that way. Like he's on a private jet, it's in a hangar at an airport and he's eating when someone comes in to chat with him about a proposal and he just carries on he's like I'm having my dinner and then we're turning this thing around and going back to Mexico I'd really lean into that I'd be like you fly over you get five minutes no emails no phones amazing take it or leave it imagine building like the cult more of Dortmund being like yeah if you want to make them an offer you have to actually go see them I'm sure there are clubs that do business like this doesn't come highly recommended during a pandemic admittedly but <laughs> just not very distant you know no. this is all a bit of or, a, eco- or, eco- or an ecological crisis but yes yeah. Yes, but exactly. But if, yeah. if fuel were clean, let's, yes. Let's play hypothetically that exactly. all planes are electric and, and <laughs> you can charge them and everything's renewable. Yeah. I like that very much. Yeah. I like that very much. They come and meet you and actually maybe you're not there when they get there. And all of a sudden, like, they think you're not there, but you actually are there because you just flick one of the overhead lights on, you know, like you have on planes and then you're just there. You're, you're in the room the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah. Like, Fuck, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to a break. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, back from the break, let's go to another question. This one from Cameron Mills. I really, This is another signing I really, really like. How do you like the fit of Sessegnon going to Hoffenheim? Is this a good club for his development? Incredible. That's incredible. Like Hoffenheim are a perfect club to find yourself. It's where Gnabry went and they've got a tradition of developing young talent. Firmino came through there. Um, you'll be linked up with Kramaric, which is fantastic. And Kramaric is like, you know, the Kingslayer. He scored seven goals against... Dortmund and Bayern in the last two games he's played against them uh, and he can't stop scoring actually I think he's physically incapable um, that's a great signing because you've got an attack that's already functional so there's not pressure there's not pressure on Sessegnon to get in there and deliver immediately mm. I think it's outstanding it's almost as exciting as Justin Kluivert to RB Leipzig under Nagelsmann which for me is the most exciting overseas transfer of the window Back to Hoffenheim. Yeah, yeah. Like the thing about the way that they have so far kind of lined up this season, like Sebastian Hernes has basically been playing a back three. So I think for, for Ryan Sessignon, this is perfect, actually. Yeah, yep. To play as a wing back in, in a kind of midfield four or five, they've tended to play. You know, they played five in midfield, I think, against Bayern. They played four in the first game of the season when they beat Cologne. Yeah. We're only three games into the Hoffenheim, the new Hoffenheim regime, if you like, and they lost that Eintracht away, which I don't think will end up looking like a bad result in hindsight. Adi Hutter seems to have yes. turned a bit of a corner with they Eintracht. They beat Hertha as well. They're a decent side. Yeah, yeah. Sebastian Hernes, he, I, he intrigues me this season, I think, you know, and he's obviously come through the Bayern system. He's highly rated. And I think someone like Ryan Sessegnon will play and he'll play in a league that is a good league against yeah. good sides. And I just think it's a really good move for him. I really like it, actually. Bundesliga bias, you know, I'm, I'm so hyped about seeing Matteo Guendouzi play for Hertha Berlin because it's either going to be unbelievable and he's going to completely run things or it's going to go so bad that he's going to be sent home at Christmas. Yeah. This is a really important move for him. This is a really, you know what this is? This is like his, you know how like Renato Sanchez has Lille? Mm. This is Guendouzi's Lille. There are only so many huge clubs or big clubs at which you can get it wrong. Mm. And it's a really bad sign when you, it's like, it's like Cuisance. Cuisance has the same thing. Like the next club that Cuisance ends up at, that gets, he gets where he gets regular football, sorry, will be so important for him. Passed the Marseille medical. He passed it. Oh, fantastic. So that, that's big. So Cuisance basically, Cuisance from Bayern to Marseille and Guendouzi to Hertha, these are like big seasons for them both. Obviously like astonishing talents, but they've got to kick on at this point. Yeah, you're right. It's an interesting move that I think. I think it's going to be one to keep an eye on because Marseille also are just a, they're really starting to move Marseille. Mm. It's always weird when you go on loan as a player. I've always felt 
because there's that sense that something's gone wrong, right? It's inescapable feeling that something's gone wrong. If you're on loan, unless you're going for experience, that, you know, something, if you're on loan, you get bored and you get loaned immediately, then it's kind of get your experience somewhere else and then come back. Or it's like David Beckham going to, I think, Preston for like five games and scoring twice and coming back. Like you're just, you've been told, you've been reassured you're part of a long-term plan. Whereas someone like, like a Jesse Lingard, you go on loan and you're like two or three games, two or three mm. seasons away, two or three clubs away and you're like, or like Lukaku. Lukaku doesn't get enough credit yeah. for, yeah. for his kind of loan odyssey. And it takes an incredible mental resilience to fight back from there. You know, it takes a, it's a huge resilience. So, you know, obviously best of luck to them both. But Gwendouzi at Hertha could be an interesting element. It's going to be fun. And I'm going to go and watch a lot of Hertha now. I've decided. Oh, yeah. I was a bit gutted that Jeff Rennie Adelaide didn't get there. Um, he ended up staying in Lyon. But um, whilst we're there on Bayern, yep. they've quietly had a really tidy transfer window. Yep, they have. Um, picking up Nianzu from PSG, Chupa Moteng from PSG on free transfers. Obviously, they had Alexander Nubel coming from Schalke on a free transfer. That, was, that signing was arranged or agreed midway through last season. Mark Rocker coming in from Espanyol, which I really like that signing. Solid, smart signings. You know what it is? It's people who don't expect to start but will make huge contributions. Yeah. When they- they actually, and they took Buanasar from from Marseille as well. Brought Douglas Costa back on loan as um, from Juve, which Solid. strikes me as a bit of a Coutinho-Perisic kind of deal. Yeah. And obviously Leroy Sané coming in from Manchester City. Really strong. Strong and stable. That's a big haul for £55 million. Pounds. So what's that? Just over £60 million. Euros. Super smart. Quick one from Justin Salhani. His beloved Hatton Ben Arthur moved to Bordeaux. And he says, please address Hatton Ben Arthur to Bordeaux and why they've won the transfer window. <laughs> <laughs> they have won for the simple reason that the shirt number, as Justin proudly showed me, he says, he's an eight. He's a number eight. So that, <laughs> that alone, that alone is, um, is thrilling. They'll have a great time down there. They'll build the team around him or the attack, hopefully. Well, hopefully they will. Um, he, what an interesting career Ben Arthur's had. It's tough when you look at someone like that. I there's wish lot, he stayed at Newcastle. Well, there's a lot of talk about people achieving their potential, but then I look at someone like Ben Arf and think, did he go as far as he could have gone, given his, his ascent and what he went through to get there and how he had to fight and his personality and all the things, like the challenges. Maybe, maybe Ben Arthur did the best he could. Like he's got some great career highlights. And if you look at the teams in which he was most successful, it's where they were kind of like, it's almost expressions of his personality, like fighting the power. Mm. He never starred in a big team. He always starred in teams where it was us against the world. So maybe he was never, ever going to thrive in a huge club because there was too much rigidity, too much, or, no, not, not order, too much rigidity, I think is the best thing. So if you look at, um, I mean, Justin wrote a great piece for us actually for the yeah. website on Ben Arthur. One thing I would say with Ben Arthur is, I'm not sure if he was ever as highly rated as he was. I wonder if he was slightly out of time because the Ben Arthur era where you had two defensive midfielders behind a 10 that basically went and just wreaked havoc. You know, like the Serie A era is such a specific, his, his skill set is so suited to a specific era. And I think it was kind of like Serie A, two hardworking defensive midfielders where he plays a kind of Rui Costa alongside 
a brilliant number nine. So I think he could have been a Rui Costa in a different era. Ooh. When players are massive what-ifs, at a certain point you're like, there actually wasn't any more there. That fundamentally, yeah. the same... Mercurial. Yeah, the same thing that em- enables you to fight out of wherever you came from, like not being able to trust people easily, needing a very particular type of treatment. So few football clubs, especially in the fast-moving results era, are ready to take that little bit of extra time to get the best out of you. Mm. Someone like Ben Arthur might need six to 12 months of like careful trust building. Managers don't have that. Yeah. It's not that there's not a great player in there. We know there is. That's why Pete, that's why he still actually is playing football at 33 because everyone's trying to unearth the gem. He's a Valladolid. Well, Valladolid, the style they play, the high, look, that they are intense. Anyone that watches Valladolid, that is an intense team. They are hard running, they're defensive. Mm. There's not room for a player like that. And it's only room for him if you basically go, everyone else runs and you run, but only forward. So yeah, it's a, it's a shame for him. But at the same time, I hope he got a good paycheck out of it because it's always good to see players of that talent who've been around for that long, you know, look after their later years. Maybe it's a perfect, maybe it's be like Ren for him again. It was brilliant at Ren. I just want to see him do well, like at least enjoy the last few years of his career. I, weirdly, I thought he would have been the perfect move for an MLS side, actually, at in Ben Arthur. Mm. Um, I think he would have had a really nice time over there. We'll see. I think, you know, when you see, when you see a certain player or a player of his kind of skills, his talent, let's say, because talent wise on their day on, you know, there were a few that could come up close to Ben Arthur, really like on pure raw talent alone. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's OTT to say that. Too much talent's a curse. It's a curse. Yeah. 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 Do you know why? Because you're the guy, you're the guy. And then one day you're not the guy. And it's mm-hmm. gone. And the speed at which it's gone, you look at like, you know, Ravel Morrison, you look at, um, and this is not, not for, and for different reasons, someone like Fran Merida. Fran Merida is an astonishing player. And I don't think he ever got complacent. It's not that. It's more that Fran Merida, basically, you're so hotly tipped and all of a sudden the rug is pulled from under you. You're tipped as like the future of Arsenal. Mm. And you look at him now and he's, you know, Rodrigo Possibon. I mean, he broke his leg still. That was bad. But there's a lot of these players who, everyone rates them and then all of a sudden they can't get a deal, they can't get a contract and it just, your confidence falls off a cliff. Like we don't talk enough about how psychologically it must have been for someone like Ben Arthur to be so hotly tipped and then all of a sudden not have the offers coming in. And yeah. my, my, my worst example of, of wasted talent is Hugo Viana, oh. who was like, what, best, play, best, best player in Europe, best, best young talent in Europe, went to Newcastle United under Bobby Robson and just never, never kicked on. Mm. And Hugo Viana was the future. Yeah, it's really strange how things like that roll out. It really scares me, actually. It scares, you know, it scares me. I think, when I say it scares me, like, I, I'm a writer, so I've got plenty of years to achieve my potential. But it scares me because nothing frightens me more than, unach- than potential which is not achieved, mm. not fulfilled. It really scares me for some reason. It's like, um, maybe it's a silly example to use, but when I started out writing, I was really hotly tipped at a certain age, like 13, 14, and didn't deliver for like years. Didn't deliver for years and finally got my stuff published. And whenever I see, it sounds a bit ridiculous, but whenever I see a young player doesn't achieve the potential, it's really haunting Mm. because I know what it feels like for expectation to be around you. And like years later, like you still haven't done it. 
So yeah, good luck to Ben Arthur and good luck to young players out there. And actually like good luck to all young players at the start of their careers because they've now released this, this list of like next generation talent. Oh, did you see who was number one? Well, not number one, but the very top, the first Ansu. one. Is it Ansu? No. Federico yeah. Redondo, son of former Real Madrid's midfielder <laughs> Fernando. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Be still my beating. Good luck to everyone on that list. Do you know who he plays for? Wait, wait, Argentinos Juniors? Yep. Oh my God, that's perfect. It's almost too good, huh? That's too good. Do you know what? Okay, look, I just want to say at this point, good luck to everyone on that players list who's hotly tipped because not everyone will make it and there'll be some severe disappointment for those players on the line. And the key is not the disappointment, but how they bounce back from it. So good luck to all of them. Uh, very quickly before we take another break, we had this question from Mari Lewis saying, we'd love an in-depth chat about the outside of the top six in the Premier League's transfer business, especially Everton, Villa and Palace. We kind of spoke about Villa. I think they've signed really well. Obviously, Ollie Watkins and Ross Barkley coming in, I think is going to give them... I mean, the thing about Ollie Watkins, which I really like, and we bigged him up the other day, but the fact that Dean Smith knows him so well anyway. Yeah. Uh, they spent a lot of money, for sure, but they, they also spent a lot of money last year. But having the pieces like Tyrone Mings and stuff already there, they're going to be one to watch this season, Villa, because they just look... I think we said it before, like taking the load off Jack Grealish, yeah. having someone like Barkley there, that's going to cause people some problems this season. And I think they're going to be fine. Palace, I think, have had a really tidy transfer window. And I'm not sure if he's signed yet, but it looks like Nathaniel Klein's going back. That's a, great, that's a great acquisition. And I hope that works for him as well, because you know, he's 29 now, Nathaniel Klein. Another case of Walcott's law. Yeah, <laughs> you're young till you're old. I know he had some injury. He had quite a number of injury problems, didn't he, at Liverpool? But Yeah, he had the unfortunate experience that he was good enough for Liverpool when he got there. Yes. But then, unfortunately, I mean, if you look at the first team that Jordan Henderson played in for Liverpool, and he's been there for like nine years now, nine, ten years, the first thing that he played for, I think it had like sort of Jay Spearing in there. Like, you know, good, these are players that were good players, but they weren't players of an optimal Liverpool. And I think that's happened to Klein. He just got, actually, weirdly enough, it's, what, it's what's happened to Gilfie Sigurdsson in a good way at Everton. Mm. Gilfie Sigurdsson is a very, very, very good member of a, a, you know, a squad that can threaten and do interesting things, particularly in, in, in a cup competitions. You wouldn't go against Everton having in the future like a really strong and deep Europa League run. But Gilfie Sigurdsson is not the main creative force in a truly elite Premier League team. I don't think that's being too harsh, but he's an outstanding secondary option creatively. And I feel like Klein was in that bracket, that unfortunate bracket where you're like, ah, you're just like, you're, you're fourth gear and what they need is a fifth. So I, I really like that move for him. Eze signing. Um, Love that. Humble dude as well. A very humble. Similar kind of club to QPR. Um, you know, a club which is like a hardworking tradition of good football. He'll be combining with some great players at, at, um, at Palace as well. Take some of the burden away from Zaha, the creative burden. I think it's a lovely signing. I think it's great. A couple of other quick ones before we go to a break, because when we come back from the break, we're going to do some random questions about the 100th episode. Uh, Michael Cotton, is Edison Cavani going to be more of a Falcao or a Zlatan? Slatan. I agree. I really think Cavani's going to do some damage this season. I agree. There's part, of, there's part of me that thinks that even what he's come in after, was it four Premier League games? He's got 
34 Premier League games left to play. At the end of the season, if you said, oh, Cavani scored 25 goals, I'd be like, yeah. It wouldn't be weird no. because he's not a wasteful finisher. This is an outstanding player. I don't think there's any objection, really a wholesale objection or widespread objection to him himself. He's an amazing professional. He will score goals. He's a superb finisher, extremely technically gifted. He's powerful. Um, so yeah, he ticks all those boxes. I think that the concern is more with the long-term strategy for the team. But yeah, Cavani true. himself is above reproach. PSG fan base adore him. Like he's a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute legend. All you can ask from signings is that they're fun signings. And I look at that signing and I'm like, hmm, I'm into that. They're going to learn a lot from him. And also, I think it takes a lot of pressure off that front three because they, they're young still. Yes, and he, he's the perfect signing for them in so many ways because he will be an absolute pro. I mean, um, shout out to Johanna Frandon who covered Slatan at PSG and saw, saw a lot of Edison Cavani up close and was just like, this guy, just an absolute professional. Like mm. just, by all accounts, a wonderful human being. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm... Yeah all over that signing. I think it's great. I really do. It's kind of yeah. signing actually so Alex Ferguson would have made but the only difference was he would have made it much, much earlier in the transfer window. That's the thing. Cavani's been available all summer. Exactly. And, um, I know that much has been made about Manchester United's transfer window being a complete catastrophe. If you know he's available, I know there's some wild agents fees involved. But it was so clear that they weren't going to get Sancho so the money was going to be there. As soon as, as, soon as that August the 10th, as soon as that August the 10th deadline passed on Sancho, they should have just gone. They should have just moved on. There's that real long read on The Athletic about with all the details about the Sancho Man United saga. And it was just like, what am It's like hearing the Benny Hill theme tune whilst watching it. It was. Just all I'll say briefly is the appetite for humiliation remains undimmed Mm. in the commercial department when it comes to transfers. I mean, like all the players they've chased over the years. And this is perhaps the biggest humiliation yet. Let's take a break. Yep, yep. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, back from the break, final part of the show, we're going to whiz through some questions relating to the 100 episodes. Uh, This one from Ola Fizeo, who says, over 100 episodes, what's the one thing you never thought you'd say? I'll never pull the catfish. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I never thought I'd say that and I did say that and they weren't the catfish but I just wanted to say it. On um, that note, we had one from Conrad Field saying, seriously, what is a catfish? I don't know if that's a serious question but basically we've gone into this before. It's a team. We, we, don't, like a, we don't like going individual on catfish. They're teams who show so much promise to do so well and then don't. Yeah. Or show much promise on one side and end up being something else. Yeah. So what's your thing you thought we'd never say? 
I think it was, if you think that makes me a communist or a socialist, then fuck it, I'm a communist. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, yeah, that, that was quite gangster. <laughs> actually, what, what can I say this as well? Like in terms of like, I'm always struck by how closely, I'm struck that people listen, but mm. I'm struck by how closely people listen. If I have to just, I just take a moment to like express gratitude for that. People really, really pay attention. Like you get messages now and again, you're like, whoa, like you heard that? Like you thought about that? You pushed into that? Like people are really, I don't know, that's really gratifying because I said this before. I never, and it took me years to start a podcast because frankly, I was like, who the hell is going to listen to what I have to say? I never, I never thought anyone would actually want to listen to anything I had to say. Oh, shut up. No, it's true. It's true. Look, well, I'm, dude, I'm 40. I'm 41, like very soon. Like I'm 40. Aren't we doing a podcast on your birthday? No, I don't think so. Well, like, I can't, well, if I can't say what my birthday is, I can't tell people when it is. That's weird. Um, <laughs> I can't do that. I don't know. You I'm just, every, sorry, you told everyone when my birthday was. Did I? Yeah, on the podcast, you were like, it was your birthday yesterday. Really? Did I tell him, did I out you? That's different. Yeah, yeah it's different because I'm, I'm shy and retiring. And you tweeted so. it. I'm, I'm shy and retiring, right? I'm shy and retiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm different. I've got my sort of... Anyway, get back to you. No one wants to listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next where, question? Where? Get us the next... <laughs> get us the next question. <laughs> I think what Moose is trying to say is, thanks, everyone, for listening to him, because no one wants to listen to him, apart from me. Thank now you. I'm stuck with it. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, this one from Matthew. Oh, I, I think Matthew told me off for pronouncing his name wrong last time, but obviously via text base, he couldn't correct me on the pronunciation. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. Matthew DeMattia. So guess the headlines that you'll be discussing on your 200th episode. So two a week, 50 weeks. So about, yeah, about, about a year from now, a couple of weeks before. So it will be end of September. Transfer window energy. Yes. Or will it move back to normal end of August last year? So there'll have been all the new transfers within a new club for a season already. Okay. Do you know what? Okay. Here's where we'll be a year from now. Uh, So two years from now. No, one year from now. One year from now. Okay. Um, Okay. Here we go. Gio Reyna gets season off to thrilling early start at Real Madrid. No, Gio Reyna gets Real Madrid. Oh good God. Listen, really? After the piece I just wrote? (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Listen, carry on like that. There's not going to be 101 episode. Ansu Fati and Gio Reyna, the new gods of La Liga, the new Clasico, new boys of the Clasico. That's it. Oh, but the thing is, it makes so much sense. It does, doesn't it? It does. That rail will come and try and pluck that jewel. But I really want that Dortmund side to stay together. You do? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't like that. It makes so much sense, but I don't like it. Stop doing this podcast. <laughs> um, hundred, uh, two, so a year from now. That's a really tough question, actually. Probably going into another international break after Mason Grim- Greenwood goes down with an injury. Manchester United's second failed pursuit of Jaden Sancho is looking wow. even more of a shambles. That's what I reckon we're going to be talking about in a year. Pochettino lays down law at Dortmund. Oh, yeah, now you're talking. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Poch hails club's resilience in keeping young core together at Dortmund. Mm. That's my headline for next year. After, after a record Bundesliga start, club record Bundesliga start for Dortmund, 
Poch says we can win it all. Yeah, Poch says we can do it all. Yeah, that, that's, that works, that works. After five games, do, no, what would it be, October? So maybe you're looking at like, what? Three, four. After eight games, Dortmund are yet to concede a goal having scored 29. <laughs> that kind of vibe. That is wild. It's not a Dortmund podcast, Musa. Not yet. Okay, let's finish on this one from Nicholas Bampton. I enjoyed your dream career path if you were players. What would be on each of your fantasy CVs as coaches? So should we go from retirement? Musok Wonga announced his retirement at the age of 36. The former Manchester United and Feyenoord pass first striker. <laughs> that's so funny you mentioned Feyenoord because that's the first, but I go to Rotterdam. It's oh, the first so place. You'd, you'd be at Manchester yeah. United until you were 34 and then you'd go to Feyenoord for two years and then... Uh, i coach. And then retire and coach. I'd coach at Rotterdam. Wow. Yeah, I'd start, okay, so I'd, start at Feyenoord. I'd start at Feyenoord. I'd start at Feyenoord. What, as a first, you'd take straight over the first team? No, I do youth. I do youth stuff. Yeah, just go and like youth stuff. Ease myself into it. Just watch, get to know people, have conversations in the area. Like just you know, get into the youth stuff. Assistant first team coach. We go on a deep run in the Europa League. We don't win, but people are like start paying attention. We like what you're doing. Offer comes in from the Bundesliga. Which club? Gladbach. Wait, hang on. So you're still assistant? Yeah, still an assistant. Yeah, and you get an offer from Gladbach. Yeah, to go and do assistant stuff. Like, and oh. me going, I'll take what you offer. I like what you're doing. So assistant, assistant. So you go, and you're going to be Marco Rosa's assistant? Yeah, just in the kind of camp, you know, just one of the people like this in the camp. And then, and then, so final Gladbach and then do really work Gladbach. And then the offer comes in from Spain. And then it's like Sociedad. And I still haven't got like, I still haven't got a big job yet. It's still like just there. Sociedad's your first senior job? I would say, yeah. Sociedad's the first senior job. Wow. Sociedad. Um, and You're just thinking of the food, aren't you? Here's the thing. Look at Clarence Seedorf. He had a great time, but he also enjoyed, he had a great, like, he had a great career, but he also enjoyed the cities. So get to live in great cities and great vibes, but also Sociedad first job. Um, and do really well there, get top six, but like play the bit, like we're the team that everyone hates playing against. And we make the Anoeta a terrible place to come and play again. Like we basically, we don't win the league, but we stop good teams winning the league. Like big teams come to us on Sunday night and it's raining and we turn them over 4-2 with brilliant counter-attacking football. And then from Sociedad, I get an offer. I get offers in the Premier League, but I don't take them. Um, stay at Sausage an extra year and then I finally go I finally go to the Premier League and I think I go to because you know I'm like I'm like Johnny Depp I don't want to go for all the big hits Johnny Depp basically didn't do blockbusters until late in his career so I think I go from Sociedad to West Ham I go to West Ham and I'm like if we're going to do this let's do this no nickel and diming sort the academy out, recruit from Essex, like get the youth system really, really popping. So long after I'm gone, they'll still be producing talent and we make West Ham absolutely boss. And the big offers come in, but I just end up staying there because I'm like, there's money, it's London, it's a vibe. I just stay at West Ham. And I'm like, West Ham has to return to where it was in like the 70s. It's got to be that club. That stadium it will never be Upton Park. It will never be Upton Park. No, but, 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 Park, man. 
but but there's an energy and a vibe that West Ham deserve and it's such a sleeping giant and it'll become a club that becomes a threat. If I stayed there for like five, six years and just coached the absolute hindquarters of it, it would be like the natural destination for a whole generation of players. Okay, so how old are you now? Mid, late, late 40s, mid 40s? Yeah, uh, early 40s, early 40s. Sorry. No, because if you retired at like 36, you spent a couple of years at final, then you spent a couple of years at Gladbach and then yep. you went to Sociedad for a couple of years. That's 42. And then you've been at West Ham for f- six years. Yeah, then I'd... 48. And I would just, I'd never coach in the Premier League again. I wouldn't take a Premier League job because I couldn't bear to coach against West Ham oh because it was such a part, such okay. a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't coach in the Premier League again. Absolute fan lip service. I'd go, no, then I'd go to Napoli after that. Oh, wow. Okay. Then <laughs> i go to Napoli, West Ham, Napoli, then I'd be done. I'd be done after that. How long have you been at Napoli? Uh, until I got offered a national team job. Which would, which national team? Uganda. By that point, I might go and coach Uganda by that point. Oh, why not? Why, but why not? Why not? And then, then you, then I know where it goes. Then you end up heading up the Ugandan FA. Just and like then my you granddad. End up running for presidency. Just, just <laughs> on my granddad. Just on my granddad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Napoli, Napoli, then go and coach Uganda. Like who would not want to play for you? You go from there to there and then like really professionalize the coaching. Like that'd be wild. That sounds amazing. I'm not going to lie. So yeah, that's my path. Uh, my path would be I'd finish at Arsenal on my second stint retire there straight away I'd go and coach the like under 18s love it do my badges love it spend three years coaching the under 18s and then Arteta's like come in as my new assistant so I do three years with Arteta as assistant and then I go for the Brentford job love it who have just missed out on promotion again and we finished second in the championship my first season and we get promoted to the Premier League and basically, I'm just trying to pull all the Arsenal boys in on loan. Incredible. And then we end up finishing 12th in the Premier League in our first season. Everyone's just like, can't believe this. A couple of bigger signings, finished ninth the season after. So this is my th- end of my third year. Amazing. And then an offer comes in from Newcastle. Who oh. finished 14th that year. What? Wow. Wow. Now and I'm like, well, I've taken Brentford to ninth. I've done three years. Two in the Premier League. Kept him in it. Newcastle. Can't say no. And do you know what? Newcastle have been down and come back up again and nearly gone down again. That's how turbulent it's been. <laughs> That's amazing. That is, this, is, this is awesome. So I go to Newcastle. First season, it's not great, to be honest. Finish 13th. Second season, get to the Carabao Cup final, but we lose against Manchester City. <laughs> but we end up via some weird thing qualifying for Europe in the qualifying, the Europa League qualifying stages and we get through to the Europa League qualif- like group stages. That season's hard because of the Europa League but we managed to finish seventh and we actually win the Carabao Cup that year and we get into the round of 16 in the Europa League and then get knocked out by Sevilla. Oh, Sevilla's not a bad one. Yeah, Sevilla, fair enough. Eventual winners. <laughs> so this Fine is list. the end of my second season at Newcastle and then, oh no, it's the third season. So I do one more season at Newcastle and we finish sixth. Guaranteed Europa League. Everyone's mad hyped. New ownership, consortium led by a team of rich Geordies who are long-time Newcastle fans. Perfect. Look at that. And I'm like, do you know what? You guys are good. And then... He's coming home. No, no, no. Because of the work that I've done with bringing young players through, Ajax make the call. Oh my God, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. I'm there. This is like 12, 13 years from now, right? 
in my dream world, there's more parity amongst all the leagues in Europe. So the area Eredivisie is attracting real major talent and all of the Dutch sides are going deep in European competitions. And I haven't thought any further ahead of that. You're basically, you're, ba- you know, you're basically what happens if Pep goes to Ajax. You're basically Pep going to Ajax. <laughs> That's what it is. Rideola. Rideola. <laughs> That's actually perfect. If Pep had gone to Ajax after Barca, when everyone in the world was like, where's this guy going? Where's this guy going? And he'd gone to Ajax. Would have transformed the Eredivisie, but I, that's that's a really great career path. Yeah, I mean it's nice, huh? It'll change next time, I'm sure. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's doing okay. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the hundredth episodes. We hope you're feeling positive about your clubs now that the transfer window has slammed shut. Indeed. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Stadio. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Stadio Football. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Playing out this week on JTC, King of the Box, handing over to another King of the Penalty Area. That's <laughs> my striker, Musok Wonga. Any wise words before we go? I would just say that, I mean, 100 episodes in, think of all the hydration that hasn't happened in the course of these podcasts. I just think the next 100 episodes, if you're still here by that time, we're so grateful you're still here. Please hydrate regularly throughout the episodes. Let's get to 200 if we can, all of us together, having drunk regularly throughout each episode before and after. So just stay hydrated on the roads, in your homes, with your loved ones. Sounds like a load of hot air to me. And you know what hot air is? Vapour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the lyrics, the lyrics. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back on Monday with a... What if? I want to. Why not? I want to. Let's do it. See you then. Take care, everyone. I'm here to let you know.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.